You're listening to Hunting Home with Blake Hunter and Peggy Sweet. The opinions of this podcast are my own and not necessarily the opinions of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services Ambassador Real Estate, any realtor associations, persons, or entities. If your property is currently listed with a real estate broker, please note that it is not our intention to solicit the offerings of other real estate brokers. Welcome to this episode of Hunting Home with Blake Hunter. Blake is with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Ambassador Real Estate with offices in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Blake, thanks for your time coming back into the studio again. And uh, we kind of introduced things on our first episode of everything that we're going to be doing uh, with this podcast and a little bit about your background. And one of the things that you had talked about was that you wanted an opportunity to showcase maybe some people you work with, some people who uh, you have worked for, and that's the situation today. You brought somebody special into the studio today. Yeah, so today brought Amber in as a guest. Amber bought her first home in 2021 uh, as things were as crazy as they got with the market. And uh, I thought Amber would be a great guest to come in, talk about her experience, what it's like buying a house, especially buying a house for the first time. And being completely unfamiliar with the whole process from start to finish. And uh, I just thought that there's probably a lot of people out there that can relate to Amber. I am excited to learn more, Amber, about your story. And also, we should make the announcements we talked about before that uh, we are bringing back someone to this particular area. And we say airways, but it's not because we're not radio, we're internet. But... uh, Peggy Sweet has returned, a former Sweet 98 personality. Thanks, Peggy. You're in studio today. Woohoo! I'm so excited to be here today. Well, and we're thrilled that you're here and, and also uh, that you have decided that this is the avenue that you wanted to take. Oh, to... yes. Well, I'm actually really excited to be starting with Blake as my first, um, or hosting for him first. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a great fit because, um, Blake, uh, what you do... I have learned also from being in a another group outside of the studio with you is it's very, very important for you to do customer service and you're not as concerned just like we do here of maximizing profit on every single transaction. You want to make sure that you are doing uh, the best that you can for the client and let that finance part is secondary. The rest will work itself out, right? Exactly. Let's learn more about Amber Anderson. Uh, Amber, first time home buyer. And yes. this was last year in 19, uh, I'm sorry, I did 2021. This is how old I am. I just, I just circled back to 19. Anyway. It's rubbing off. Exactly. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's talk about first how you got connected with Blake. How did that happen? Because there's, well, I happen to know, it's, about 3,000 agents in this area, isn't it, Blake? I mean, it's not as if there's a shortage of real estate agents. Yeah, between Omaha and Council Bluffs, um, you could say we're a dime a dozen. <laughs> but, Amber, you decided to work with Blake. So how did that How did that come together? Yeah, so um, I moved to Council Bluffs in 2019 and immediately started at a CrossFit gym, CrossFit Council Bluffs, and they instantly became like family to me. Jim and Sue Wheeler, the gym is on their property, and Sue and I got pretty close, and she knew that eventually I was looking to buy a home, and then when I made that decision, I was kind of inquiring with her about, you know, my options and what she thought I should do, and 
she had mentioned Blake and said we're similar to, you know, we're similar age and she just thought we'd be a really good fit. So that's kind of how we kicked off and the rest, I guess, is history. How quickly did you feel that you had that you knew, okay, this is, this is the guy that I want to work with and to get this done. How fast did that happen for you? It was almost like immediately. I felt like, you know, he was listening to me right away. I didn't feel like I was a burden. Very responsive. Never made me feel like I had to wait to hear back or, you know, that it didn't matter what what I texted or what time it was. I just never felt like I was an inconvenience. Um, I always felt like a priority. Well, that, that's actually pretty high praise, Blake. Making yourself available because I know that well, I, I've heard of other experiences that it's sometimes hard to get a hold of people. And the fact that she's saying, no, you were you were available for her, I think, you know, that speaks a lot. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> one of the things that, you know, I've realized and I really try to get across is that, you know, like for with Amber, for example, when she's looking for a house, that's her number one priority. And I might be working with five or six people that are all doing the same thing. And I have to realize that each one of those, that's their highest priority. And so getting back to people, you know, maybe it's just a simple text message or whatever it is, is really important. And Amber gave me, you know, I always, after a transaction's over, I always ask for, give me a testimony of, you know, your experience. And Amber gave me a really good compliment that actually made me realize it. And she said that even though I was probably working with other people, she always felt that I was, I was the only person that she was working with. And so that was a really meaningful compliment to me because it felt like I was giving her my time and, and energy. How long did it take from the time when you first made that connection until you knew that the house was going to be purchased and you were entering into the closing state? How, how much time actually went into that, uh, Amber, before you were able to uh, actually find the place that you were going to be in? Well, like, are you talking the time that I, like, first texted him until... Sure, sure. About, about how, how long did that take? Gosh, I mean... Almost a year. I was going to say almost a year, I feel like. Yeah, I'd say I'd say nine, ten months, probably, something like that. Well, the, I think also we have been in a what's called a seller's market, haven't we, for a very long time when we were at the time then. So Amber's story is not unusual, right? No, and that's what a lot of people don't realize is that even if you you get pre-approved and you're going to go look at your first property, is even if that's the property, you write an offer, you get your offer accepted, it might be 30 or 45 days from then that you get to move into that house. And so if there's any time that goes on while you're getting pre-approved, your house shopping, you know, that takes time. There's a learning curve with that. You, you're going to look at different properties and understand what you like and don't like, especially a first-time home buyer. Um, and then understanding the values of properties, you know, when you first enter the market, you say, okay, well, I didn't realize that for 150000 this is what I'm going to get. And so it takes time. And then especially in a seller's market where you might find the house and write a really great offer and still not get it. So then you're pushed down the road again. And sometimes that happens to people five, six, seven times over writing great offers, not getting them accepted, especially in that strong seller's market before you finally get one to work. Do you know how many times it happened, Amber? How many offers you put in? I want to say at least five or six, maybe. That's just a guesstimate because we looked at so much more, but I was... 
I don't want to say I was picky, but I mean, I kind of was because I knew I needed, I wanted a yard that was decent enough because I, you know, had a child and I knew that I wanted a garage. Um, but I also had expectations of more of like an updated home versus not. And then, you know, size. And I learned really quick the, the price point that I had in mind. Like he said, you know, $150,000 house in person was like, oh, okay, this, this is what I'm getting. Plus, you know, if you have to pay any more bills on top of that or you want to do any renovations, then you're really going above and beyond that. And I had a, you know, a pretty tight budget that I wanted to stay in. So I kind of had to reevaluate, I guess, my standards of what I thought I wanted versus the reality of what I wanted. It's emotional, isn't it? Very. Going through the whole process is an up and down roller coaster, yo-yo. You think you got it, you don't have it. And then you look at, just like you said, changing what you have to, um, your expectations of what a $150,000 house looks like in your mind and what it actually looks like when you get there is completely different. Yeah, it really, really, really was. And then we saw some houses that were really high priced and very subpar. So I was just getting to the point where I'm like, is my house even out there? I I can't say how many times I thought about just saying, you know, I'm just going to pump the brakes, wait on this, because um, it did become very stressful for me. So, but with Blake's help, you know, he kind of kept the camaraderie in me and never gave up, even whenever I was kind of being, I guess, pouting, being unresponsive. <laughs> I would still wake up to text messages of different listings and um, I guess he just you know never never gave up on me and he got to where he knew exactly what I was looking for so he didn't even I don't want to say waste my time but that's the best way to put it never wasted my time trying to sell me something Um, he only sent me things that he knew I would be interested in and never made me feel bad if I was like no I already know I don't like this about it or that and, you know, was willing to walk into a house with me. And I was immediately like, nope. <laughs> Don't waste any more time. We're yeah, out of here. <laughs> let's just let's just go. I already know I hate it. Yeah. Um, so, so he just wanted you to be happy. Yes, 100%. Definitely wasn't what I had expected by any means. Did you have to expand your search area at all when in order to try to have some more options? Or did you stay fairly zeroed in on where it was that you wanted to live? I knew I wanted it in Council Bluffs. I know we had mentioned maybe looking, you know, at like other areas nearby, like the smaller towns. But ultimately, for convenience sake, I really liked, I wanted to stay in Council Bluffs to be close to everything, uh, particularly my gym. That's pretty important to me that it's only 10 minutes down the road versus, you know, a whole different town away. So I was going to bring up, you know, when you're talking to Amber about a couple things is, you know, getting to the point of where I knew something, you weren't going to like something, is that takes time. We had to go look at properties and I could tell by the pictures, like, Amber's not going to like this. And when you start looking at maybe, you know, at times we probably looked at two, three, four properties a week. It's like, it's, I mean, as a buyer, it can be exhausting. You know, you're going to look at these properties. You have to find time to do it. You have children. It's hard to schedule those things to go look at properties. And so if they're not worth your time, you don't need to go. If you, if you know right away by looking at it, why, you know, 
what's the point? Um, the other thing too was talking about a budget and talking about prices is, you know, in that market, if a house was listed at 150,000 and you were interested in it, it no longer becomes 150,000. It might be 170 or 175. And so if your budget, you know, say it is 150,000, you're, you need to shop at like 125 because those properties were going for that, that much more at that time that, you know, it almost wasn't worth our time going to look at a property that was at the top of the budget. And, you know, you learn that this property is going to go over, you know, it's going to. And so you manage your expectations a little bit and you don't go look at those properties because, you know, I might not even have a shot. Um, so you start getting your budget to more of a realistic point. You understand what's reality. You understand what the competition is going to be like. And then ultimately, after writing a couple offers, you understand what it's going to take to get it accepted as far as being competitive, you know, with with your terms and your pricing and, and all that stuff too. Well, and having been in that chair before of purchasing a house, Okay, so you've got the group that you just don't like, and you know that right away, that you don't like this house, and then you've got the group that you just love, and you walk in there and say, man, I would really like to get this house. But it's not always that black and white, because there's, there is a group of houses in between there that, do I like it? Do I not like it? Do I want to pay this money for it? And now that's where things start to get a little fuzzy for you. Did, did any of this, was it any of this your experience as you were going through this process? Yeah. And one thing I want to add is that I was declining a lot of houses and he encouraged me like to go look. Well, you know, things do look different in person. You know, let's let's go look. Let's just see. You might you might love it. Um, And there were a few times where in the pictures I didn't care for it. And then we got there and I was more open, I guess, and kind of visualizing myself there and how that might work for me. But to answer your question, I wasn't willing to purchase a home that I didn't love. I wasn't going to settle, which also made him a very great person to work with because never made me feel bad about, you know, not wanting a house. Blake, is that fairly typical for a first-time home buyer that they they're gonna they're gonna look until they find the one that's just right for them? Yeah, I think that it is, and it should be that way. At the same time, you know, Amber says she's picky. Amber's not a picky buyer. She was just she knew what she wanted, and you know, it's a huge decision to make. So it takes time. You know, you can't just be like, yeah, this will do, and and that's what you buy. I know picky people and Amber's not picky, but you got to be flexible. You got to be willing to maybe change, you know, maybe some of your expectations. You know, maybe it's you get this thing, but you don't get this or vice versa. And compromise. And, yep. You got to compromise a little. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you realize that maybe that one thing isn't as important as you thought it might be. And so that's, you know, back to the square one is that it takes time. And that's why I'm really adamant about like this podcast and spreading this information is that it takes time to do it. And you need to have somebody that's kind of willing to coach you through it. Because I do this every day. And to somebody off the street that doesn't do this at all, I'm always learning. So I can't almost imagine what it's like for somebody that's, you know, completely in the dark when they walk in. 
Amber, was there anything that you had in your mind uh, going into starting the process that later on you said, okay, maybe that's not as important to me now? I think for me it was expecting to get an affordable house in my budget while also having it being up as updated as what I wanted it to be. Um, so like the house I ended up buying was built in, I think, 1953. The cool thing about it was it had a, the same owner the entire time. So they built it, bought it, and sold it to me. That being said, there were some things that were updated, but a lot of it is very, what I want to say, old school. But I, I'm kind of falling in love with that part of it, honestly. After you get into any place and you start to, it, it doesn't take major changes, just minor ones, turning into your home as opposed to feeling like you're in someone else's house. It can be as something as simple as changing out a ceiling fan that suddenly, okay, this is me. Now I'm starting to feel more and more like this belongs to me. Since then, still happy with your purchase? I mean, you've been in there now about a year and a half. Yes. I Every day I fall more in love with it. I have made you know, just little changes like that to make it feel like more updated, I guess, to the best that I could afford, you know, to afford. And then I did some paint. I ripped out all the old carpet. There's beautiful hardwood floors underneath. Uh, so refinished those, put up some new ceiling fans, completely painted and revamped the basement. It was um, a very lovely shade of sunflower yellow <laughs> from top to bottom. It was nice. So, yeah, I mean, that was shocking walking down there. But in my head, I'm like, it just needs paint. It just needs a little paint. And if it had the lime green shag carpet, that would just about finish out the, <laughs> well, finish out and, the decor. And just by her saying that, you know, it reminded me that was part of our process, too, was, okay, this house is much more affordable in our in your price range. And now it leaves me a little money to do some of those things. And so when you're looking at houses, you gotta keep that in mind. Okay, this one's this one's five or ten thousand dollars less. It has everything I want, but I'm gonna have to put new carpet in. The air conditioner's twenty five years old, so I need to plan on putting a new air conditioner in at some point. So you gotta weigh all those things and in that market was pretty tough because you didn't have a lot of time to think about it. You go look at a house, you better, when you're walking out the door of that showing, you better decide, am I going to do this or not in that, at that time? And so there's a lot of decisions to be made. And Amber, you know, would ask me, would you buy this house? It's, do, what do you think about this price? And, you know, it says a lot that she trusted me and what I was telling her, um, you know, was good advice. There's another layer to this story, Amber, that, yeah, you found a house that you liked and fifth or sixth offer on whatever property it was that you put this one in. Then you didn't get it. You didn't get the, this, uh, the, your offer was not accepted. And I'm sure that you're at this point, you're thinking, okay, well, this is just another one that I didn't get. I was devastated to say the least about this house. I I really wanted it. It was probably my favorite so far. And the listing price was 100000 So I had plenty of room to play with that. 
So when we shot 20 over and it was 10 or 20 over. 20. I thought it was 20. Shot 20 over and still didn't get it. I'm like, okay, I'm how? How do you, you know, the bank isn't going to let me shoot any more over that. So how do you play this game? What am I doing wrong? And why did they get it and not me? So after that, I, I think I kind of hit rock bottom. I'm being a little dramatic with that. But. <laughs> no, but it's emotional. It's back to the emotional feeling of not knowing where you're going when you think you're doing everything right. Yep. And I think, I think that property at the time had nine or 10 offers on it. Oh my. And, um, the other thing is not only being strategic with being competitive, but also my job is to protect the buyer from doing anything more than, you know, what really makes sense, what makes sense to the buyer. Um, you know, ultimately it's their decision, what they want to do. But, you know, we talked about it and we're like, look, this is what we, Amber felt like was a good number. She felt comfortable at that price. And then you have to write that offer in there to, you know, we had an escalation clause that protect her from paying any more than necessary at the time with competing offers, but also allowed her ceiling to go up to her top number. And so, you know, the nice thing about when you're in what I tell my clients is shoot your best shot if this is what you really want. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You know, you, you did what you could. Now it's time to move on. And then in this case... It didn't work out the first time around. No, but, in, and by the way, just real quickly, in a future podcast, we're going to talk about that escalation clause yeah. thing yeah. because that was brand new for me when I sold my house earlier this year. I had no idea that this was the way things were. So we're going to, I'd love to have that be a part of, of a, of a yeah, future sure. podcast for when sure. we talk about it. But all right, so we, we talked about the doom and gloom of, of you did not get the offer accepted. How much time went by before you got the phone call from Blake with different news? It was at least over a month, maybe a month and a half, I think. But, you know, with the way things were going, that felt like a really long time. Looking back, that wasn't that much time, but that was a really long time that we were still actively looking and searching for, you know, my perfect home. Uh, we were scheduled to look at something I think I want to say it was a Friday, as if that matters. But I just remember thinking, okay, here we go again. I really wasn't, he doesn't know this, but I really wasn't that excited to go look. I didn't want to at all. <laughs> and I th he called me, you know, right about the time we were supposed to go. And I thought, oh, good, maybe we don't have to go anymore. <laughs> and he goes, well, we, we don't, uh, I don't think we're going to go look at that house we had planned on looking at. Just let me know what you think of this, but the house that you really liked is available now and they are, you know, going to give it to you if you're still interested. And it was just, you know, not to be cliche, but that everything happens for a reason really hit home because we waited and waited and I, I really believed that that was my house. And sure enough, a month and a half later, I wasn't wrong. Meant to be. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and... I noticed something here, Blake, that, I mean, we're talking about a year and a half ago. You notice how emotional Amber still is about this place? This is what you deal with every day, that you are uh, helping people get their home. That's not a small thing. It's not as if, in this particular case, Amber was out looking for a rental property, which is you can help with that too, but that's not what this was about. This was about 
she and her family being in a place that they can call home and they can make theirs. And that's what you were there to do. Yeah. And it's, it is an emotional thing. It's a huge decision to make. And then one thing I always think about while going through this process is I have to stay logical. And yeah, it can be emotional. And like Amber, you know, she was getting close to being like, I, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to rent, you know, continue on that path. And I just said, just stay with it a little bit longer. It's almost like you get this feeling is like, you know, it's coming. You, you, you wrote those offers and you know, it's going to work out sooner or later. And so even with this property that she got, yeah, it was emotional. Yeah, she really wanted it. She was willing to to throw everything she could at it to get it. But then my job too, like I said before, is to stay logical and say, hey, I know you really like this house, but think about this. Is it really going to be worth, is it worth your investment in this? There is other houses. They do make other houses. Um, so we can always find that one. But it's just kind of that that back and forth, just having, I feel like having somebody to, to kind of just discuss it with to make the buyer feel more comfortable in doing so. You're like her cheerleader. Yeah. You know, Male coach cheerleader. and cheerleader. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, Amber, it's a year and a half later, but still, it's the first time I've gotten to hear the story. So congratulations on, on getting that. And I know that, as you said, I'm sure it looks a lot different today than it did the day that you bought it. And... It just keeps feeling better and better as you drive in and walk through the front door. So uh, congratulations on that. And it was fun hearing about your story. I enjoyed it. Thank you. I do want to add one thing. So the day that I closed, I was also doing family pictures. And I had asked Blake to come to my photo shoot. We, we went to my house. We left Bayless Park and my photographer came to my house and he did, uh, Blake met me there and he handed me the key. He brought a sold sign, brought me a bottle of champagne, a gift card, all kinds of things. And uh, he was a big trooper. I mean, who else's realtor shows up to their, their photo shoot with gifts and uh, plays along with that. So that was really appreciated. Those are photos and a memory I will forever cherish. The podcast is called Hunting Home with Blake Hunter with Berkshire Hathaway Home Services Ambassador Real Estate Offices in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Enjoy her today, sir. Thank you very much. And uh, the more that we work together, the more I'm having fun with this. And it's uh, thrilled to have you here, just like I know that Amber's thrilled that you were a part of that. So we look forward to the next episode. Yeah, thank you, Amber, for coming in. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you for letting me be part of this. <laughs>